Hello, good grief for all mental family. I know it's been a while. Um, whew, it's been a long few months for all of us. And um, I think everyone is just trying to kind of gain their footing in this new normal that we find ourselves in. And um, I know for me, it's been a lot of mental and emotional overwhelm and overstimulation and just trying to kind of grasp and process everything that's been going on. Um, so I apologize for the long kind of hiatus here. And um, I promise that the podcast is coming back. There's just some stuff kind of being worked out behind the scenes. So in the meantime, what I thought I would do to um, sort of fill this gap in this time, um, I thought I would share a an essay that I recently published. If you're not familiar with Medium.com, it is a essentially a self-publishing site. Um, so I did actually submit this to be published elsewhere, and I'm kind of waiting on a decision on that, so I'll keep everybody posted. Um, but in the meantime, I was able to kind of self-publish it on Medium, which is a great platform and um, great option for people that, that have writing and, and things they want to put out there to the world. Um, so this one I've shared, you might have already read it if you follow me on Facebook, and I even shared it in the Good Grief for All Mental Facebook page. Um, but if you know me personally, follow me personally on Facebook, you might have recognized parts of this essay because what I basically did was culled together several different kind of um, piecemeal things that I had written and kind of filled it in and flushed it out a little bit more and put in some more recent um, experiences and things like that. So what I thought I would do is just read that essay because it is about my experience with childhood loss and trauma and how that has manifested itself in my adult life. And as just about everybody knows, this is something that I'm extremely passionate about. And as I've said before, that's not an accident. It's not random. Um, it's based on my life experiences and what I've been through and overcome and still working on overcoming um, at 33 years old. So if you've already read this, thank you. And, you know, I appreciate the support. Some people have reached out saying that they read it and, you know, just giving me all kinds of nice feedback. So I appreciate that. Um, but I thought I would read it and consider this sort of like a book on tape experience. So if you haven't taken the time to read it and you're one of those people that has a preference for spoken word versus reading words on a page or in this case on a screen, um, you can still kind of get the message of the essay. So without any further ado, the essay is titled The Long Path Healing the Wounds of Childhood Loss and Trauma. And just to sort of set the scene for you, since you can't see what I'm looking at on my screen, 
Um, the picture at the top of the essay, and again, if you follow me on Facebook, you probably already saw this and, and read a post about this several months back. It's a photo of a plastic patient belongings bag, the kind that you see at the hospital, at you know medical facilities that are often given out to patients to put their clothing and belongings in if you're going in for a procedure or a surgery or if you're, God forbid, in the emergency room or something like that. So that's kind of to set the scene for you. When you look at this photo, you probably see nothing more than a plastic bag. I see the trigger that caused me to have two panic episodes in the hospital. The first roughly three years ago and the second about a year ago. And ultimately, the catalyst for me realizing I was struggling with unaddressed childhood trauma tied to my mom's sudden death 25 years ago and needed to seriously consider trauma therapy, which I began almost five months ago. Unfortunately, due to current events with the coronavirus pandemic, social distancing and the transition to virtual therapy sessions as the new normal for the time being, my therapist and I came to the decision together to table any further trauma digging until we're able to meet in person again. I quickly learned just how emotionally triggering and draining these sessions are, and that I need as much support as I can get in person to get through them. If you hear my dog in the background, I apologize. I'm proud of the difficult trauma work I've already done. I'm proud of myself for taking the first step, despite how long it took, to recognize that I needed this help, and then getting it, without any shame, explanations, justifications, or apologies. And I know I still have a lot of hard, emotional work ahead of me when we resume. But that grueling work is what needs to be done in order to begin peeling back many complex layers and prying beneath the surface I've just barely scratched all these years of loss, trauma, triggers, and how this has all manifested in my adult life. It has taken me a while to open up about all of this, but recently I had to pick something up for medical labs and was sent home with this bag. I didn't think anything of it at first because I only saw the white side of the bag. It wasn't until I got home, put it down, and saw it in my dining room and the words on it that I realized it wasn't just any plain old white plastic bag and felt the familiar panic rising up. I crumpled the bag up in a ball and threw it in the trash. I crumpled myself up in a ball and threw myself into bed. I took the bag back out of the trash and broke down crying and wanted to set it on fire. Because 25 years ago, I saw this very same patient belongings bag in the dining room of the house I grew up in. And its contents were the clothing and jewelry my mom had been wearing when she entered the hospital and died less than two days later. In April 2017, I was in the hospital for a diagnostic procedure, my first time in a hospital as a patient, prior to a surgery, and suddenly found myself inconsolable. And then, I had an epiphany. The plastic belongings bag I had been given by a nurse. A light bulb went off in my head. And then, everything got very dark. And this is how a plastic bag became the thing that makes me come undone. My hope is that over time, addressing and talking about this and other trauma triggers and memories, and addressing associated cognitive distortions, 
will help to lessen the panic and intense emotion an inanimate object or other visual association has been causing me. Because right now, it feels like a goddamn plastic bag has control over me. I keep catching myself saying it's stupid or it's silly because it's just a bag. But in truth, nobody else can possibly know or understand how just a bag makes me feel. And now I recognize this as trauma. My plastic bag is someone else's fireworks that trigger the memory of an explosion that nearly killed them while deployed overseas, or another person's certain smell that they associate with someone who abused them. This is hard, heavy stuff, and I understand not everyone is comfortable with it. I'm still not completely comfortable with it. But if you're still reading, or in this case listening, please remember to be gentle and kind with yourself and with others. Because these are the invisible battles people are fighting as they go about their day, doing the best they can, and just trying to be okay. These are the silent struggles we so often don't see or know about that keep people up at night. These are the reminders we all need that everyone carries an invisible burden on their back, and what we see portrayed on social media is rarely a complete picture of what people are dealing with internally. At eight years old, I watched my mom being loaded into an ambulance in our driveway from a bedroom window. That was the last time I ever saw her. That was the last time I would ever see her again for the rest of my life. Will I ever get over that? No. Certainly loss and traumatic experiences change shape over time, and we somehow figure out how to continue on with life and adapt with that massive void in our hearts. We learn to dance with the limp, in the words of Anne Lamott, one of my favorite writers. I know many, many people who have experienced and witnessed horrible, painful things that have changed them forever. They will never be the same. They will never get over it. They will be forced to learn a new normal and to figure out how to breathe with a piece of their heart missing. And they will survive and maybe even thrive eventually. But there is no date they will ever circle on a calendar with a note. Be done hurting about this by today. These experiences are a key part of our stories. But do they define us? No. Neither does how long it takes us to process them, to feel a little less broken apart, to start to patch our shattered hearts back together, to feel okay again. And it's okay if we're never completely okay again. It's okay if we dance with a limp forever. And a note about grief, now that I've recently survived the 25th anniversary of my mom's death and another Mother's Day without her. Grief is not linear. Neither is trauma. There is no straight line from point A to point B. There are no shortcuts. There is no right and wrong, no mathematical equation or formula. It has taken many years for me to figure out that the reason I'm still carrying around such a heavy burden of grief and trauma from my childhood is not because I'm broken, weak, or somehow defective at healing. It's because I experienced a significant loss and associated trauma at an age where my brain was still growing and developing and simply was not capable of processing the loss and its magnitude. 
The result in these cases is typically a sort of delayed processing that only really begins to occur later in life. And then one day at 30 years old, you have a panic episode in a hospital, followed two years later by another, and suddenly realize the sheer weight of this grief and trauma you've been carrying on your back for 22 years is actually crushing you. It's winning. So I decided to take my power back and start on the path of turning trauma into healing. I'm giving myself credit for doing the hard, painful work and giving myself grace that it's not going to be an overnight process. This bag is my cross to bear. It is the tidal wave that keeps trying to ravage my boat, knock me down, and drown me. But I will be damned if I'm going to let it steer this ship. And that's the end of my essay. And at the bottom, there's a stock photo, excuse me, of a beautiful purple flower growing from a crack in the pavement. And below that, I included this quote, which I thought was very fitting, both for the photo and just for tying together all of this trauma and loss and the concept of those things are a key part of your story, but they don't define your life and they don't define who you are. And your overcoming those things is what ultimately defines you and the journey that you're on to to overcome. But the quote is, I like it when a flower or a little tuft of grass grows through a crack in the concrete. It's so effing heroic. And that is from the wonderful, funny George Carlin. So just to kind of... Um, sort of recap all of that. So as I mentioned, this essay was born from me kind of piecing together all of these things I've written because I have so many things in my head and people are always telling me I need to write a book. And um, oftentimes it comes out as just these piecemeal Facebook posts and kind of streams of consciousness that I end up saving as notes in my phone. And then I don't have sort of this cohesive story that encapsulates all of that stuff. So what I did was I kind of went back and pieced a bunch of different things together. And this essay just sort of came out and it actually came forth pretty quickly and easily, which doesn't always happen. If you're a writer, you know that Um, it's often quite a process. But where I had all these things I had already written that I could sort of fill in and make them a little more current with things that are going on right now. It just kind of came out. And um, after I, you know, shared it and read it, I thought, you know, I really want to see this published somewhere else other than as great as Medium is, you know, other than a self-publishing platform. So I have submitted it elsewhere Let's collectively cross our fingers and I'll keep everybody posted on that. And if I'm, you know, lucky, lucky enough to have that published there, I will share. Um, That's typically kind of a, a long process too. So I probably won't know for a while, but I just wanted to take this time and this opportunity um, because I know I'm, I'm well aware that the podcast, aside from my 
Facebook posts, um, the actual podcast portion has been on quite a lengthy hiatus in the midst of all of this upheaval and uncertainty in our country and everything that's been going on. And um, I just wanted to let everybody know that, you know, I'm still here, haven't disappeared, um, and the podcast will be back at some point, just again, trying to work out some things behind the scenes and um, get things hopefully off the ground again soon. The timing of, you know, the the pandemic and everything was just really unfortunate, Um we finally got the podcast off the ground and did a couple of episodes and everything has just kind of been chaos on all fronts since then. Um, so as we all know, you know, there's no perfect timing for, for bad news or for bad things to happen. And this is just another example of that. So moral of the story, life and the universe don't care about your plans or what you have going on or your perfect timing for things life is going to happen regardless and the best you can do is adapt you know as best as you can and I've seen so much of that happening um people just adapting and people who own businesses trying to adapt and um just do the best that they can and that is all any of us can do so I will end this by just reminding everybody, as I said in the essay, be kind to yourself and others, give yourself grace, give other people grace. And what that means is just like cut yourself and everybody a little bit of slack. Um, emotions and, you know, emotions are running high is what I'm getting at. And everybody is in the thick of it. I don't think there's anybody that hasn't been impacted by all of this upheaval in some way, whether big or small. Um, everybody is just in it. And whether you know somebody who has gotten the virus or, God forbid, lost their life to it, whether you're a healthcare worker on the front lines, whether you're somebody else on the front lines working at a grocery store, working retail, um, working remotely, trying to you know, take care of kids and up until probably recently homeschool while working full time from home. Um, and then, you know, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but on top of all of that, we're in the midst of this massive movement around racism and Black Lives Matter and racial injustices and, um, it's just a lot. It's a lot for everybody to to process. If you are somebody like me who is an empath, you're probably struggling extra with all of this because you feel the weight of everything so heavily. And it, it's that, that quote I always go back to. It's a blessing and a curse to feel everything so deeply. Um I wouldn't change the fact that I'm such a deeply feeling person, but in times like this, it's really, really hard to kind of take a step back and not feel everything so much and not just feel so heavy and so helpless and um, just so emotionally drained with everything. So I think my closing message is just be kind. Um, 
I'm going to sound like Ellen DeGeneres, but be kind to each other and to yourself, you know, and that's important. It's both are equally important. You know, it's important to be kind to one another, but we can't forget about ourselves and making sure that we're giving ourselves the same grace and kindness and patience and cutting ourselves some slack too. Um, so that's it. That's all I have today. I just wanted again to, to pop up and say, I'm still here. And I thought that this essay was clearly very relevant to the whole theme of this podcast. Um, good grief. We're all mental. It's about both grief and loss and trauma and mental health. And I think all of those things are very interconnected. Um, so I thought, why not just share this essay in a different format um, for those who look at a lengthy page of text and say, I ain't got time for this today. Maybe you're driving or you're at home and, you know, you have a few minutes to sit down and listen. And I know everyone's different. Some people are really affected by written words on a page or on a screen even, and other people really need to hear the words spoken and hear the emotion and the feeling behind the words. So whichever person you are, um, this essay is now in both formats. You can read it. Um, I have shared it on the Good Grief for All Mental Facebook page. It's on there as of a couple of weeks ago, if you want to go find it there. Um, Facebook, just we're just Good Grief for All Mental. If you aren't following, if you don't know how to find us, um, and if not, then you can listen to this little mini episode and just hang in there. Um, I just... I feel for everybody. We're all in the same, I'm not going to say we're all in the same boat because I think that's, that's not true. Everyone's in a different boat. Nobody, no two people are living the exact same reality right now, but we are all in different versions of the same boat on the same tumultuous sea right now. That is my poetic waxing for the day that I will leave you with. So take good care of yourselves, take care of each other, and until next time.